0: Hello everyone, my name is Doug Weckenman, I'm the lead pastor of Red Rocks Austin, and I want to welcome you to Religion Rehab. This is a midweek conversation about rebuilding, restoring, and getting on with our lives. This episode is part one of a two-part series on the most effective tool Ryan and I have come across for rehabbing religion. Let's get started. Well guys, welcome to another episode of Religion Rehab. My name is Doug Weckman. This is my little brother, Ryan, who is the seminary Bible genius. That's what I refer to him as. And uh, we, uh, just to remind you again, we started Religion Rehab in the fall of 2019. It was a series we did at our church, Red Rocks Austin, and it really just struck a chord with everybody. It was supposed to be a four-week series that turned into six weeks, then turned into eight weeks, and then we just had to call it there. But we realized there's about a hundred different things we can talk about under the category of religion rehab, because I think to some extent, all of us have been hurt by the concept of religion. Now, just to remind you, Christianity is not a religion first and foremost christianity is a relationship you were made to meet your maker and god wants your heart way more than he wants do's and don'ts and when we put religion in front of relationship we actually we miss christianity completely the order matters it's kind of like baking a cake you might have all the ingredients but if you bake all the ingredients before you mix them all in a bowl you don't have a cake the order matters in Christianity, it is first and foremost a relationship. And when you get it out of order, you get religion and religion hurts. There's a, a message translation of Matthew 11:28 where Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrases what Jesus said, where he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out by religion? Well, then come to me. Jesus says, are you burned by religion, exhausted from it? Well, simply come to him. For relationship, and so that's what this is about. We're talking about ways to do that. We're talking about ways to remind ourselves that this is a relationship. I know "Religion Rehab" is an edgy title, but just to remind you once again, the point of this podcast is not to bash the church or bash Christians. Maybe you have a story of why you've been rightfully hurt and rightfully burned, and I one hundred percent believe you and validate that. Um, but just because something's true doesn't mean it's helpful. And the whole the whole idea behind Religion Rehab is you cannot fix a problem with the same consciousness that created that problem. Did I get that quote, Ryan? That's Albert Einstein? Yeah, man. Or was that you? Did you say that?
1: i wish i would have said that man i wish i was albert einstein sometimes yeah albert einstein you can't fix a problem with the same consciousness or from the same consciousness you use to create that problem you
0: have to have a higher consciousness you have to get above it and that's what this is about can we rise above it can we get a higher vantage point because that is actually helpful. There's something in the Amazon rainforest called the Amazon Tall Tower Observatory. Later or right now, you should Google it. It's this crazy tall, um, I think it's 1,066 66 feet tall, which is over three football fields, like 1,500 steps. You can walk all the way to the top, but the whole idea is the higher up you go, the bigger and broader your view and vantage point of the entire rainforest is. When you're down in the middle of it, you you see the trees in front of you and it's very true it's very real but the higher up you go the more of the bigger picture you can see and I think that's what Einstein meant when he said you need a a higher consciousness a higher perspective of what you're looking at and to me it's just like the best way the best tool to rehab from religion and today we wanted to do a two-part a two-part deal today called the forest and the tree Um, where today we'll give you four ways and then two weeks from today we'll give you another four ways that we think this is the, the best way to rehab from religion, right? Does that sound good, Ryan? Sounds good to me, man. Okay, so I love I, it. I'll start by just saying this: like, we, we can talk right now about the season that every church is in right now, trying to figure out how to reopen doors. I know the state of Texas, the governor just okayed all churches to reopen their doors this weekend, pending they follow strict guidelines. Right. Um, so now there's there's opinions on both sides, and there's some people who hear that and they think, man, it's about time. Like, let's go. What is, what is the world waiting for? Like, we got to get back in it. And there's another group of people on the other side that would say, like, is this too soon? Like, that sounds irresponsible. And, and so it's very differing opinions. But here's the thing. Both sides are, are true to an extent. And so as you mature as a Christian, like the real challenge is trying to figure out, okay, that's true, but this is also true. So how do I kind of stand in the tension between two things that are true at the same time? Like I'll give you, I'll give you an example. In Christianity, both of these things are true. If you know Jesus, you're saved and go into heaven forever one day, really kind of regardless of what you do. And at the same time, like it really deeply matters what you do, right? So bo- Doug, both of those how, things How can are true. both
1: of those things possibly be true? Well, Ryan, I've time. heard
0: mathematically that parallel lines at infinity actually intersect. I'm not sure if this is true. Somebody Google this and check it right now. But it's a dichotomy, right? It's a paradox of like, well, that's true and that's true. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we want really simple answers. And religion actually gives that to us because it's measurable. I did this and I didn't do this. So therefore, God does this and other people should do that as well. And if you're not good at it, well, then shame. And if you are good at it, well, then self-righteousness. It's simple. But God is anything but that. Relationships are not simple. God is a mystery, and oftentimes it looks like standing in the tension between two things that are true at the exact same time. And for for churches right now, and maybe if you're watching this or listening to this, um, you can know to just pray for leaders, not just of churches, but restaurants and businesses that are going to open back up as we we reopen the world right now, um, all trying to figure out, man, what's the best way to do this? Because that's true. But this is also true. And I gotta stand in the middle here and do my best to lead in this tension. And a big heart of mine, Ryan, and you know this, is is unity, specifically in the body of Christ. And so I'm just praying that we we can bear with each other, give each other the benefit of the doubt. If that church decides to do this, but this church decides to do that, and that Christian thinks this way, and this Christian thinks that way, hey, like Emily, Emily, our worship leader, she told me a few days ago, What's a green light for me now might not be a green light for them now. What's a green light for that church today might not be a green light for that church today. Just because it's right for me today doesn't mean it's right for everybody today. Like this is, there's no simple answers to very complicated questions, and so as we tackle this and make this transition, let's pray for unity, Um, let's pray for discernment, let's pray for wisdom. Um, and so let's good, pray. Man. Let's pray for a higher, almost like climbing that tower at the Amazon to get a bigger view, a bigger perspective of the rainforest, the forest through the trees, or the forest for the trees. I don't know which one it forest is. Forest for the trees. I've never even used okay. that before. But this it's is this so is good, this bro. is what Jesus did, Ryan.
1: So yeah. So the question becomes, how do we do that? And the answer is, luckily, we follow a first century rabbi who was a master, and I do mean master, at thinking higher uh, than everybody else about whatever circumstance he's in. So one quick example, just very fast, Matthew 9 is becoming one of my favorite stories, but in Matthew chapter 9, you get a very clear picture of two different groups of people that both are in desperate need of some religion rehab. Right. So we have the Pharisees who are a religious sect who pride themselves on being set apart and following all the rules and uh, living a life in such a way where they they are going to earn their way to God by doing all of the right things. Mm -hmm. The problem is and those of you who have studied scripture know that. Quickly turns into self righteousness. And so they begin to think that they're better than everybody else just because of all the rules that they're following. Okay, on the other side of the equation, we get uh, what the Bible refers to as the tax collectors and the sinners, which is uh, really Bible for the outcasts, those who religious leaders have shunned away say you guys uh, don't deserve to be here you go over there and what we see all throughout scripture is the pharisees and the tax collector slash sinners just like going back and forth like a tennis match hitting the ball back and forth and not getting anywhere because they're both trying to fix a problem with the same level of consciousness that created it and then Jesus walks right into the middle of those two groups in Here Matthew chapter yep. 9, right? So Jesus comes in and invites Matthew, who's a tax collector, to come follow him. And the first thing that they do is they go to Matthew's house and they sit down at a table, right? So Matthew chapter 9 verse 10 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Two groups of so, people that could not
0: be more different than each other.
1: Right. Right. Right, right. So Jesus comes in and invites all of these, Matthew over, all these sinners are, are hanging out. And what Jesus is doing is he's rehabbing some religion for some outcasts who are generally pushed to the side. He's going, no, you guys belong. And so come and let's eat. But then what happens in verse 11 is it says this, when the Pharisees saw this, our other group, mm-hmm. they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? So the Pharisees see what's happening and they get angry at Jesus and they go, Jesus, what are you doing? You can't be sitting down and eating with these people. They're unclean. They're outcasts, push them aside. And Jesus's response is brilliant. He goes, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. What's Jesus doing here? He's rising to a higher level, seeing the bigger picture, and inviting both the Pharisees and the sinners to come have a seat at the table. Because the beauty of all of this is the Pharisees aren't actually clean. They just think that they're clean from their good behavior. The reality is they're human beings just in need just as much for a Savior as the tax collectors and the sinners. So Jesus is actually going, hey, Pharisees, come take a seat at the table. Um, there's room, but the entrance comes, like, like the way to get in is just acknowledging that you are not the well, but you're the sick that needs a healer. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: 100%. Yeah,
1: so what Jesus is doing here is he's getting up, he's climbing the tower, uh-huh. and he's not going to miss the forest for the trees. Uh-huh. He's going to see the bigger picture, and he's going to go, hey, there's a bigger way to approach all of this Guys, there's room at the table. Come and take a seat. I love um, that.
0: Really quick, Ryan, because I, I used to read stories like that and think what we all think, and that's like, man, these Pharisees, the bad guys of the story, and 100%, they represent religion, right? And Jesus came um, to fulfill the law and, uh, and straight in the face of religion. And so I always kind of thought, man, those are the guys that need to learn something. But the more yeah. like mature I get and the more um, I kind of grow in my faith and my walk with Jesus, the higher I climb that tower, if you will, the more I start to realize. But also, like that's true, but also I feel like Matthew and Mary Magdalene and the tax collectors and everybody in that camp, they probably eventually realize like, hey, but we could learn a thing or two from the Pharisees too like these like totally. we could learn a thing or two about obedience here right and that's not that's not like Jesus is trying to get everybody to think bigger and think higher like i remember sorry just a quick story when we were in college and we we you me ethan started following Jesus around the same time we were involved with a college ministry called the annex and we were leaders in that ministry um but nothing about like our friday saturday night life was changing and Everybody knew about it. And so our, our leader, our pastor, Bill, he, he called the three of us into his office and he said, um, you guys are leaders. You have a real opportunity here. Um, but you're kind of punting on your influence right now. And I want to call you to a higher level, like nothing about your life is changing. And I remember walking out of that so mad, thinking, legalism Jesus, we got a legalist here. This is legalism. And uh now I know that God was up in heaven kind of going, uh like try wisdom. Let's let's try wisdom, not legalism. <laughs> you need to climb some rungs on this ladder and see the bigger picture. Sorry, quick story. Back to back to you.
1: So good. No, yeah. you summed that up perfectly. Yeah. Uh, Tim Keller says it this way. Mm-hmm. He goes, the fat the quickest way to become a Pharisee is to hate a pharisee that's good so when you sit there and you read and you go Oh, these pharisees see they're the problem they're the issue here what you're actually doing is you're thinking at the same level that they're thinking at and so the quickest way to become a pharisee is to judge people the way that a pharisee would judge them right
0: because you can't fix a problem with the same consciousness or at the same level as what caused the problem in the first place. So let's do this, Ryan. Let's not let's not make this a ton longer, but let's give let's go through four ways really quick to climb the ladder. Now that we've kinda laid it. a foundation. Do you want to go first?
1: I'll go first. Okay. Okay. Way number one. Yeah. Think higher. Learn to listen. Everyone say learn to listen. Learn to listen. There you go, Doug. Give people Uh, give people your attention. James says, I'm gonna butcher it, but be, uh, what does he say, slow to speak, slow to be angry, but quick to listen. I think that what we need now in 2020, maybe more than ever, is to all just slow down a -hmm. little bit and learn how to hear people out Mm -hmm. and learn how to hear people's sides and be um, slower to form judgments on people mm-hmm. and quicker to, to go, hey, you're a human being, uh, let's sit down. I would love to hear your side on this. So there's this beautiful story in Luke 22 um, where Jesus is in, in Gethsemane. He's getting arrested, uh, which is going to lead to his death. And it says, When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? I love it, right? So the soldiers are coming to arrest Jesus, yeah, and his disciples are like, "It's time to fight. We got to fight injustice with <laughs> some more violence." Right. And it says, "It says, and one of them, uh, which we learned in John's gospel, was Peter, which I love because John's always thrown Peter under the bus. So Peter takes out his sword and he strikes strikes a high priest, cutting off his right ear. Yeah. But Jesus answered." no more of this and he touched the man's ear and healed him okay think about that story for a second jesus is getting arrested his disciples want to fight violence with violence peter doesn't even wait for a response from jesus he just pulls out his sword and he cuts the man's ear off which yeah. pay attention to the imagery here yeah, right for because sure. nobody like when you're fighting with a sword you don't you, you don't go for somebody's ear, right? Unless scripture, I think, is is trying to tell us something a little bit more profound because Jesus reaches over and instead of cutting the guy's ear off, he heals his ear. Excellent. And so the thought is, what if what we need, if we want to be more like Jesus and think higher about all of this, what if we learn how to give people their ear back instead of cutting it off? Yeah right like what if instead of trying to attack somebody we our thought was immediately hey how can i um how can i be there for somebody and how can i listen to them and how can i respect them and give them like the dignity that every human being deserves because what jesus is saying when he says "Hey, enough of this is he's going hey you want to fight that's great i want to fight too but our weapons not going to be violence the way that we're gonna fight is with our love and with our grace and by sitting down and listening to people right he was
0: thinking on the next level
1: that's it man yeah so so peter
0: peter's trying to fight violence with more violence that's the same level thinking and it becomes just a tennis match (laughs) back and forth but everybody's so good at this level that it just never ends and so i almost really quick like when jesus says turn the other cheek Hmm. to your enemies or how about this pray for your enemies that's that's the next level, higher consciousness kind of thinking, right there.
1: So good, man. Yeah, sorry. Keep so going. good. So, can we all learn to listen? I'm thinking, even this year in 2020, it's an election year. Can we learn to listen this year? In other words, uh, when somebody who has a differing political view than you, and I don't, I don't care where you fall mm-hmm. on, in that if somebody comes to you on the left or the right who disagrees with what you're saying is your gut reaction to get defensive and to think of a way to take a jab and pull them down or is your knee-jerk reaction to listen to them to hear their point of view and to um, in your mind go hey uh, I may see things different but that's a human being and I can learn to listen because there's absolutely things that this person can teach me. And we're so in this good. together. And so yeah. I would love to learn some stuff right now. Or the yeah. the one that's more uh, personal for me is I used to get so defensive of people who had different uh, religious views than yeah. I did. Um, so I was always like so quick to step up and defend my faith, like in the name of apologetics or, or whatever. And um, what's there's a time and a place for that. But uh-huh. What anybody will tell you is, it's just not helpful to like react uh, in in a mean way or to react in a way of like trying to pull the rug out from underneath somebody. Even if Instead, you're right, the the most effective way to be a follower of Jesus is to do what Jesus did and sit down with people and yeah. learn to listen, learn to love, and yeah. realize that everybody has something to teach me. Um, yeah. And so instead of out of my own insecurities, trying to, to fight back and show them, you know, why, why they're wrong here, here, and here, sit yeah. back and listen and uh, appreciate learn and be a human, a fellow human being. Um, and then watch and see how, uh, that will open up the, the door for much deeper conversations that they'll actually listen to because they know that they love you and you're not just a project that you're trying to convert. you know, or, yeah, they trust you now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So learn, go ahead, learn to listen.
0: I love that, man, because listening is effective. And Jesus never called us just to be right. He called us to actually be effective. And listening so what did you say that line? I wanna make sure people got that. Rather than cutting ears off of other people, let's give them ours. Was let's, that yeah. it? You said it better yeah. than I just did, but No, that's you did good.
1: you did great, yeah. man. Let's give them their ears back. Right, yeah. just like like Jesus did, as he as he reached out and, and he healed. Um, I just think the imagery there is so Heck profound. Yeah. Where he goes, hey, I'm here to listen. Uh, yeah. Before I'm here to correct, or before I'm here to rebuke, or or any of that. Let's let's talk. That's
0: really good because listening also leads to the second point, which is proximity. The more you listen to somebody, the more proximity. You have with that person. My friend Chad says this all the time that human beings are obsessed with the behaviors of other human beings. Like we're obsessed with the behavior of other human beings, but Jesus is obsessed with the backstory of other human beings. And so the perfect example of that is the woman in John chapter 8 who got caught in adultery. And it was the, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the Feast of the Tabernacles, the final Jewish, uh, festival of the year and there was a it's like a week long celebration and there was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery pulled out of her tent that morning like the morning after by an angry mob and all of them were holding stones and they they were like kind of in the right also based on the the Jewish law, to stone her because they caught her in adultery. And then Jesus shows up and steps in between the angry mob and this woman. And never once does he, he's not like, oh, I hate conflict, like all nervous. He is calm, cool, and collected. And he, he kneels down in the dirt and looks at this woman. And really quick, this is the perfect example of both grace and truth. We've been saying it for the past few weeks on Sundays, yeah. what Chris Hodges says, that, that truth without grace is just mean, but grace without truth is meaningless. However, grace and truth together is good medicine. And what he does, the perfect example of this, he says, woman, no, like, like, does anybody condemn you? And she says, no. And he says, neither do I. Your sins are forgiven, and that's grace. And then he says, now go and sin no more, and that's truth. It's grace that invites us to be free, but it's truth that actually sets us free, right? But we are to find ourselves as this woman in the story when we read it, that Jesus looks at us, and really quick, he's not shocked by her sin, which is great news for us. He doesn't look at this woman and go, like, oh, my me, like I... I wasn't expecting this. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, no, he looks at her with nothing but compassion because there's proximity. And I heard it said, I think maybe it was Carl Lenz, I don't know if he got it from somebody else, but proximity creates passion. Distance creates distortion. And so we might be like, I don't know, it's easy to judge something when there's distance between you and that thing or you and that person. You know what I mean? But the more you listen and there's proximity there, you start to... You start to get passion for that thing because human beings are obsessed with the behavior, but God is obsessed with the backstory. There is not a soul on this planet that you could not learn to love if you simply took time to get to know them. Like nobody ends up where this woman is in that tent that morning doing what she's doing unless there's pain in in, in her life that led her there. Nobody, you know becomes a drug addict or ends up in jail, like unless there's pain, and like there's a backstory there. You know what I mean? That person believes what they believe for a reason. That person believes what they believe for a reason. And I want to listen and I want to understand why because like you said, that builds trust and proximity which creates more passion in my life. And before I know it, I'm climbing the tower and I got a, a higher and higher perspective and vantage point of the big forest. Kind of... Like Jesus in that moment. And so yeah, there we go. Listen and then proximity and go
1: ahead. Number three. Before I do that, anytime you work oh my me into a podcast or a sermon, it just makes me so happy. (laughs) Like the picturing God using that phrase. I'm gonna ask maybe in heaven one day I'll ask him just to say that. Just
0: Just picturing Jesus like like sweating, like I didn't see this coming. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) Listening proximity. And then number three, I'm going to say get creative. Okay. So in any situation, any conflict that you find yourself in, there are always other ways out. So we as human beings tend to think very black and white about things. It's either this way or it's that way. It's either yes or it's no. What Jesus was a mastermind of is uh, he would walk into situations that seemed like they were either ors and he would figure out a way to make it a both-and, right? So, uh, like, think about Jesus in the temple when yeah. they come up to him and they go, hey, should we pay the, the temple tax? And that's a tricky question given yeah. his, his surroundings because uh, if he were to say, no, don't pay that temple tax, then um, the Roman soldiers are going to arrest him, right, and take him away. If he says yes... All of his like followers who are expecting him to rise up and do something new and subversive are going to be like, oh, you're just one of them. So he gets asked this very uh, black and white, should we pay the temple tax, yes or no? What Jesus does is he steps back and he goes, um, somebody pull out a, a coin whose mm-hmm. image is on the coin, and they go, Caesar. And he says, cool, then if Caesar's image is on the coin render to Caesar what is Caesar's and God what is God's. Now that's kind of lost on us 2,000 years later, but everybody in the temple that day would have understood what he was saying. It's a call back to the first page of the Bible to Genesis 1 27, where it says that we human beings are made in the image of God. So whose image is on the coin? Caesar's. Cool, give it to Caesar. In other words, who cares about money? That's fine. We're doing something way bigger right now our image or God's image is on us because we were made in the image of God. So money, sure. But how are you, more importantly, how are you living your life? How are you loving people? How are you caring for people? How are you laying your life down for those who love you? So Jesus takes a very black and white either or situation and he gets a creative, he figures out a creative way to preach the gospel and to move forward. Now, I know that we're not Jesus, and I know that that is—that's uh, something that doesn't happen overnight. Um, but yeah. getting create by getting creative, this is something that we can all work toward. So uh, one of the things that I've been doing in my life is anytime. Um, asked a difficult question or am facing conflict. I now don't see it as an obstacle. I see it as an opportunity to work out the creative muscle in my soul that, that helps find this, this higher way. Right? So, um, if you are a, a football coach and one of you, are like running back comes up to you and goes, Hey coach, sorry, I'm, I'm just not very strong. Um, I wasn't, God didn't make me very strong. And so I'm, I'm, I'm out. Uh, you as a coach would be like, what do you mean? Of course, but you're going to get in the gym, you're going to work out, and you're going to get strong in the off-season, we're going to move forward. I so I think I was saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, I, I was quoting you, I think, yeah, growing up. Um, so what we need to do as Christians is we can't say, well, I'm just not that creative like Jesus to to make those kind of moves. No, let's work the muscle out. Let's practice and any conflict that you face, you have another opportunity um, to, to lift that muscle a little bit and to get stronger and to, to find some ways forward. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I love it. Get creative.
1: I love it. So we got listen. Yeah. We got proximity. We got creativity. Yep. Take us home, Doug. What do we got? Number four.
0: Keep the main thing the main thing, baby. Keep the main thing the main thing. And so Paul said this, right? He like, first of all, in uh, is it 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul talks about like, Hey, the, of the worst of sinners, he calls himself the worst sinner really quick. This is for free. This is a complete side note that one of the, Oh man, one of the best postures you can take if you're trying to rehab from religion or if you're trying to listen or experience proximity or any of this stuff, is any room you walk in, walk in with the posture of authenticity of I'm the biggest sinner in this room. <laughs> Nobody knows you more than you know yourself. Nobody knows the thoughts that you think, right? <laughs> and so when I walk into a room now, like I really do believe that and I'm a pastor. Like I, I and I, I feel like we're we're past the days where pastors are wearing capes and know all the answers and, and all that Thank kind God. of stuff and Thank God, and I can walk into a room and and truly believe, like man, I'm the biggest sinner in this room. I'm the and that means like like nobody's gonna be judged in this room. I think that's what Paul walked like. Even the apostle Paul said that, which so I good. love. But then he also like when so to, to a, say a, yeah go real ahead, quick, Doug. Go ahead.
1: That's that's First 1 Timothy one fifteen for anybody that's that's wondering. First Timothy 1:15. 1 so here's a trustworthy saying. Yeah. That deserves full acceptance. Christ of Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he writes, of whom I am the worst. Of whom I am the worst.
0: Man, how, how much different would church be if every conversation that every Christian had, like in the church and on the streets, where they approached it of like, man, I'm, I'm the worst sinner in the room and I'm saved white as snow, completely renewed and made whole by Jesus. Um, so let's chat, which means you're not too far gone if I'm not, trust me it I love that of whom I am the worst right is it also that same chapter or is it first Corinthians 15 you tell me where Paul says I seek to know one thing above all else Christ yeah. Jesus was crucified yeah. and on the third day he rose again to forgive my 15. sins." Yeah. keep the main thing the main thing and according to Paul that right there is first tier so when it comes to our beliefs as Christians man we have There's so many disagreements out there and I completely get it, like books that'll say that, denominations that'll say that, and, and we can argue and have good conversations about that and that's actually healthy as long as we keep the main thing, the main thing. There is currently one thing that occupies that first tier and it is Christ Jesus was crucified. And on the third day, he rose again from my sin. If we keep that there, then you know what that does for the body of Christ, regardless of other differences and disagreements? It keeps us unified. It keeps us unified. That is of first importance. And from that point on, um, man, we can have conversations and they get better. And we can disagree and still be brothers and sisters and still be family because we got the main thing and we keep it that. And so it's so important, even like that should be the lens we approach every conversation through and every disagreement we have with other Christians, every disagreement we have about political issues. It's like, okay, I'm seeing this through the lenses of the main thing in my first tier, my first tier belief that Christ Jesus was crucified and on the third day he rose again. And I feel like it's taken me... A long time to to learn, like, and you'll vouch for this, Ryan. When I when I preach a message, sometimes I will like start. I'll, I'll throw a few quotes out during the sermon, and in the beginning oh. of a quote, like the sermon, I'll quote, you know, this pastor, and it'll make some people in the room, and I know it. They'll go, "That's right, that's what's up." Yeah. Oh, he's quoting my guy. Get him, pastor. Get him. And then, which I love that, but then on purpose later on, I will quote a pastor from a different camp. Who also says something true to make those same that same group kind of go, oh wait, I didn't like that. Keep the main thing the main That's thing. Mean. And what I'm learning is the higher up you get in the tower, you could also like you could change the metaphor. Like if you're if you're if you're right up next to a, a stained glass window, hmm. you see yeah. one piece, you see one piece, and that piece is true completely. But the more and more you back away, you start to see, man, this actually makes a mosaic. This actually is a stained glass picture. And uh, just because this is my camp doesn't mean that guy can't quote something that's brilliant. And just because I don't believe with everything he says, man, I'm going to take the good from that. And that over there, I'm going to take the good from that because we are united by the main thing. Which also frees us up to say, by the way, man, what if Christians could say this? Hey, I was wrong about
1: Come that. On. Mm.
0: I was wrong about that. Hey, give us, a, think that,
1: give us a fifth point real quick. I was wrong. Go.
0: I was wrong. That's the secret free point. If you can say that, I was wrong. And I'm sorry. I used to believe that about God. Man, I was wrong. I used to believe that about the world. I used to believe that about that group of people. I used to, you know, man, if you can say that, oh my gosh, can you imagine the conversations and unity that would lead to? I don't know why we're so afraid to be wrong. Like they like the people who can admit that and own it. Oh my gosh, how I respect that person like even more. I'm like, "Bro, let me give you a hug just for saying that." I want to be wrong about some stuff too and and own it just like you did. Like, I I love that. I love that. Go ahead.
1: Hey, you know what it's like? We have, uh, so Doug and I have ice baths in our garage, garages. We do. Um, We're super passionate about it, Um, which is a topic for another day. But the hardest part of getting into an ice bath is the initial shock of getting in. Once you're in, it actually is like a really nice and, and healthy thing, right? And so I feel like the process of learning how to be people that can go, I was wrong, the hardest mm-hmm. part is that initial shock of saying it once, and then like once you yeah. once you get past that moment, it actually becomes oh, like it's so this good for you. very freeing, addictive almost in a very healthy way thing. I ran into uh, somebody I used to uh, do ministry with years ago, um, a few months back, and yeah. uh, they brought up a, a belief that I used to hold. Where I was in seminary and we nerd out about the smallest little things about God and major in all these minor things. And he brought that up kind of expecting to like, take this stab at me or this jab at me. And I, for the first time in a long time was able to just to go, yeah, man, I was 23. I didn't know what I was talking about. I still don't, (laughs) but here's how my views changed. And I was totally wrong then. And I'm surely wrong about some things now. And it's like, uh, it's like everything in the room. It just like diffused. You know, like the bomb that was about to go off in my own soul and like, I'm going to get defensive and protect myself. Just going, yeah, I was wrong. Completely diffuses the entire thing, man. It's it's amazing.
0: Oh, it does. It's like Jesus didn't save you so you could stay the same. And I'm 11 years into following him. And it would be, I would be such a fool to think, well, now I'm a finished product. I was wrong about some stuff five years ago, 10 years ago, but now I know and I'm positive this is all correct. When I'm still a work in progress and I need to embrace the process from here until I take my final breath this side of eternity, be willing to be wrong. It's like, man, I'm praying. I'm trying to discern. I think it's this. I really do. I also reserve the right to be wrong about it. Totally. There's one thing in my first tier. Christ Jesus crucified and was raised again on the third day and so I think it's important as we move Come forward on. like if any of you out there are like man I've been I've been burned by religion <laughs> I've been hurt by the church I've been hurt by leaders I like whatever it is um, man I, I like welcome to the party welcome mm-hmm. to the club mm-hmm. um, the way forward that's helpful is climbing the ladder to higher levels of consciousness and one of the ways is for you to be willing to be wrong and let Jesus cross you on something. And I think we'd all hear that and go, oh, preach. Yep, get him! preach. Like, that's yeah, good.
1: Yeah, because we're thinking about that person that we think is wrong and we're hoping that they hear this. Right,
0: right. And I, and I also think all of us would believe, like, yeah, like I'm, I'm willing to let Jesus cross me, but let me, let me ask you this question and maybe this is to chew on for the next two weeks for everybody, including you and me, Ryan. When was the last time Jesus actually crossed you on something and you let him? When was the last time you actually had kind of a, like we have to approach this with humility. Like when was the last time I had a moment where I was like, man, you know what? Maybe I did have that wrong about God. And maybe, um, maybe for you it's like, man, maybe the way I was raised, maybe it wasn't completely true, everything I was told. And maybe that group does have a point. And maybe like, are you willing to be wrong is all I'm saying. Not about everything. But every person listening to this right now is wrong with something about God. Totally. Not everything. You got something wrong about like, about what you believe about God right now. And so do I and so does Ryan. Something. Now, God still works in that and still uses it and still is going to build his church. And how amazing is that? But you got something wrong. And I do too. And we need to humble ourselves and, and realize like, yeah, and that's okay because he's the God, like he's such a mystery. And we do our best to climb this tower and seek to understand him more. And we absolutely can do that. But God is an infinite mystery that we will never stop finding more of him. And so there's always more of him to find, but we'll never reach the end of it. Does that make sense?
1: That's, a, that's an episode right there. Yeah, we need there to talk about go. the mysteries of God. But bro, this is so, so good. So let's learn to think higher uh, about God and let's take every uh, moment of conflict or moment of disagreement or moment, uh, just any every day is an opportunity to Mm -hmm. uh, to think higher And the ways that we do that are by learning how to listen. So tomorrow, like literally tomorrow, practice sitting down and listening to somebody. Not to, not to then correct them and teach them your yeah. way, but to hear their point of view because everybody will teach you something if you'll listen. Yeah. Um, proximity, learning how to go. actually get to know people and move in close because people are really hard to, to hate up close. Um, yeah. Getting creative uh, and, and practicing working that muscle. And then uh, keeping the main thing, the main thing, and our fifth and surprise point that we weren't planning to make, admitting maybe I'm wrong, will take you so far.
0: I'm wrong about something. And so an easy way, really quick, and I'm just going to say this, and then we're going to be done in one minute. As you feel like, man, I feel like I'm, I'm climbing this tower and I'm getting a bigger vantage point and a higher perspective If you also look down and you go, I used to think that, can't believe they do, or I can't believe you would think like, that's actually a sign you're not climbing it. It's when, it's when you're, you're looking at like, you're listening there and you're getting proximity there and your heart just starts to go, oh yeah, I just love these people. (laughs) Yeah. That's when you know, Yeah, because that's, that's the model that Jesus gave us.
1: That's so so good. Let's, we're going to pick up that thought uh, two weeks from now for part two. I think that's, there's something to that. I like that a lot.
0: Ryan, you want to pray us out?
1: Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for another episode of religion rehab. Um, Lord, you are healing your church and you are not done with us. And even when, uh, guys like, like Doug and I, uh, make mistakes and lead us in wrong directions and hurt people and all of that, you, are so good that you say, hey, I'm going to use people in their imperfections and uh, celebrate a bunch of imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. So we thank you for that and we pray um, that we would all take another step closer to wholeness this week in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope this
0: conversation both inspired and encouraged you. Rebuilding and restoring the foundations of our faith is a long journey. So remember, we're in this together, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Religion Rehab.